Let's pray together. Lord, help us to hear your word and help me to speak it. Help us to know your truth and to live it. Help us to receive your love and to share it. Amen. Dramatic events unfolded at the synagogue that day. It started with that peaceful moment of the scriptures being read and ended with Jesus being driven out with anger, his very life in danger. What was happening? And what are the lessons for us today? I think there are some very important home truths in this homecoming. And the focus is on the people's response to Jesus and his message that day. It was a message of liberation and hope. Words from the prophet Isaiah that were fulfilled and embodied in Jesus. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And Luke tells us that all spoke well of Jesus and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. What were these gracious words that fell like sweet honey from his lips? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed grow, go free. That is God's sweet work of grace. It became Jesus' agenda, and it is ours today. Grace. Grace is the exercise of love, kindness, or goodwill. The disposition to serve or benefit another. Grace is divine favor. The undeserved kindness or forgiveness of God. Divine love or pardon. Grace is beauty. The congregation marveled at Jesus and at the authority with which he spoke. They could see that the Spirit of the Lord was upon him. Did they begin to see that Jesus could be an agent of God's amazing grace? They were surprised at Jesus. 
But then doubts began to rise within them. Is this not Joseph's son? Jesus spoke of liberation, but already they they wanted to tie him down and define him by their preconceived ideas of who Jesus was. This whole episode is about Jesus' identity. I think of the BBC TV program, Who Do You Think You Are? A celebrity finds out surprising facts about their ancestry. And sometimes the search turns up royal connections. The comedian Josh Widdicombe couldn't believe his family had ties to King Henry VIII's second wife, Anne Boleyn as well as King Edward I and King Philip of France. And who knew the actor and presenter Danny Dyer was related to Edward III? Ordinary people can have extraordinary ancestry. And in that small village of Nazareth in the first century, ancestry was so important The name Nazareth means offshoot, like a branch, a new bud, a new stem. And Jesus of Nazareth was a new offshoot, a new stem of a very ancient royal family tree, which could be traced back to the line of King David. He was royalty. But they, in the synagogue, saw Jesus, this young man who they'd known perhaps since a boy. Son of a carpenter. Trying to get their heads around this puzzle. And as they hear him speak and make great claims, Jesus, who do you think you are? Anyway, we know who you are. Familiarity can breed contempt, as the saying goes. And here in Nazareth, unbelief also. But Jesus can see what they're thinking. He reads the room and he goes on the offensive saying, Doubtless you will quote to me the proverb, Physician or doctor, heal yourself. And as an aside, I ask, wouldn't it be an act of grace if our doctors in the UK and our NHS staff were given the resources and the rest that they needed to heal themselves after this pandemic? I think so. Doctor, heal yourself. In other words, Jesus, do hear also in your hometown the things that we've heard you do in Capernaum. And Capernaum is a small fishing village on the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus had been teaching and healing there 
performing many miracles as a base of his ministry. The name Capernaum means village of comfort. And there, Jesus brought the comfort and healing of God to many. But Capernaum was not Nazareth. Back in Nazareth, in the synagogue, Jesus quotes an ancient truth. Truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. In other words, you won't take me seriously because I'm just a local Nazareth boy. You won't hear the message because you can't see beyond the messenger. So on his home doorstep, they put out the unwelcome mat for Jesus. Have you ever ever tried to talk about God or Jesus and had this response? Go away. I don't want to hear. Here is a home truth. Isn't it hardest for you to speak about God among those who you know best and who know you best of all? The family, the hometown. It's hard to witness to family and friends who know us best, including our faults and our failings, our past mistakes that can sometimes define us. They may say to us, heal yourself, get your own house in order, go away, I don't want to hear it, I know who you are. And then, perhaps we can only pray that some Christian from out of town can reach them with the gospel. Yes, a hometown can define you. As a son of the manse, I left the town of my birth, Worley in Lancashire, when I was a toddler. And I've never lived there since. Beginning that wandering life of ministry at a young age. So I shall never know what it's like to live for a long time in a hometown. But I know Haverhill is a small town where if you have lived here for a long time, maybe most of your life, you'll know a lot of people and a lot of people will know you. And in town, perhaps you see people that you went to school with People who know your story and you know theirs. And sometimes that's hard. There can be baggage that's hard to shed. Hard for people to see you in a new way. As it was for Jesus. He had to leave Nazareth. He had to leave home. 
He had to preach the gospel beyond the limits of home. And you know, that wasn't just a consequence of his being rejected. I think that's always been God's way. God was prompting Jesus, saying, I need you, Jesus, to go away. Go away from home. Go to the margins of society. Go into Gentile country, foreign land. Cross borders and boundaries to seek and save the lost. Go far away and bring them home to me because I love them too. Jesus knew his Bible and he had the Old Testament examples of Elijah and Elisha, prophets who also went beyond borders. Jesus quoted at the synagogue the stories of Elijah and Elisha, a congregation that knew the men but had forgotten the message, forgotten the challenge. So Jesus said to them, the truth is there were many widows in Israel at the time of Elijah when the heaven was shut up for three years and six months and there was severe famine over all the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none except to a widow at Zarephath in Sidon, Gentile country. There were also many lepers in Israel at the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them were cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. And the story tells us the widow and her son were saved, for the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry. And Naaman the leper went down and dipped himself seven times in the river Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Such is the mercy of God. These outsiders were insiders, included, because they had the faith and the courage to dare to believe that God's amazing grace and all-embracing love was for them. And likewise, it would be among widows and lepers where Jesus would find the greatest openness to God and greater faith beyond the borders of home. Maybe home isn't always where the heart is. And Jesus sends his church to such places and people today. Well, you can imagine the response, the offense, the hurt that that truth caused in that synagogue, the stir, 
provoking the synagogue to scenes of anger and violence. They were angry because Jesus wasn't going to do the miracles in his hometown. But without their faith, Jesus simply couldn't do in Nazareth what he had done in Capernaum. And his home truths proved too hard for them to bear. And in anger and rage, they hustled him out of the synagogue to the edge of town, threatening to throw him over a cliff, maybe a tall cliff or maybe a small cliff where they would stone him. And this is where we come to the end of the story. And for once, my sermon ending is a real cliffhanger. You see, they wanted to silence the prophet's voice. They wanted to silence the prophet's voice. And that, my friends, has been the case from that day to this. We still do that today. We do it today when we criminalize protest, when we imprison or even kill the revolutionaries. But the message cannot be stopped. Jesus is unstoppable, as he proved on that day and today. He was king of the hill that day. Our story ends as Jesus passed through the very midst of them, going against the flow of them in the opposite direction, very symbolic. And he went on his way. Well, there's a miracle for you, Nazareth. Jesus, the offshoot, had to shoot off (laughs) to Capernaum, to those who would listen. Goodbye, Nazareth. So it is that each new beginning begins with an ending. And I'm sure you can echo that in your life. And I end my sermon with the hope that that conclusion brings us as Jesus went on his way. Yes, he would face greater opposition. That was a taste of what was to come. He was despised and rejected. But what shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Take that with you today. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let's uh, take a moment of quiet just to reflect on God's words. Lord, we just thank you for your word to us today. We thank you for the message, for the unstoppable good news, for the call to go to the outsider. And Lord, we thank you 
for the promise that when you are on our side, nothing can stop us. So we offer to you our praise and our worship. Our worship for Jesus. There is no one like him. Thank you, Lord. Amen.